Blog Talk Radio. Estando adentro de la detención, para nosotros muchas veces decimos, eso fue como, es como un secuestro, pero legal. Innocent people are being locked up. The people that are detained are not criminals. Is the explosive growth of a system of immigrant detention centers that few Americans know anything about. What we are hearing is horrible. I want my daddy back. I spent nine years, four months in immigration detention. Forced to work for a dollar a day or less, which is a clear violation of anti-slavery laws. This is not criminal custody. This is not someone who's been convicted of a crime. Immigrant detainees awaiting deportation have routinely received substandard health care, poor food, unsanitary water, and unhygienic conditions at privately operated for-profit facilities. I was dying. I, I could feel myself dying. I couldn't even stay up no more. And people are going to die. We already have pe uh, people dying in detention centers throughout the nation. Shares in the two largest private prison stocks jumped up November 9th, the morning after Donald J. Trump was elected president. They're profiting off the misery of human beings. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, we continue Voices from Behind the Wall. We hear tonight and talk about the abuse of immigrants behind the wall in U.S. prisons and jails. The abuse happening there will blow your mind. Folks, we take off Voices from Behind the Wall. We hear the voices of immigrants suffering in America's prisons. Hang on. We take off right now. There you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, William Williams, and Samson Riddle and the entire AJC radio team tonight as we continue the in-depth look, if you will, of the abuse coming from behind the walls of American prisons and, and uh, jails, and in this case, detention centers for, for those uh, dealing with immigration issues. But the abuse has not stopped on any one of these locations. And tonight we deal with abuse of immigrants, uh, which is something in this country um, that at one point was definitely frowned upon. Uh, uh, America being a place of escape from folks from who are seeking asylum here because of worse situations, life-threatening situations, horrific horror stories of women and children being abused in these countries, and they come to the place that once America stood for, and that was a place of refuge, a place of asylum, a place of new beginnings. And we have fallen short, William, uh, I believe, uh, as a country, we fall short here now that we talk about now abuse happening in these detention centers. Uh, a lot of these folks are in there with children uh, being treated certain kinds of ways. 
uh, that just does not speak of America, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, that is not what we were founded upon. I mean, we, we were taking in um, immigrants. That's what we were founded on. This country was uh, people that were running from oppression, running from um, you know, almost a dictatorship. And now here we are in, this, in the position of doing just that. Those that are seeking freedom, they're seeking asylum, they're seeking the American dream. They come here, they get, uh, you know, they get isolated in these, in these basically a prison cells, uh, are a walled, you know, fenced-in facilities. The children, we've known, known this for quite some time now, have been separated from the families. They're dealing with language issues. They're unfamiliar with, you know, basically the whole where they are. Well, just say that we understand there are things. Uh, immigration has been a problem in this country for a long, long time as far as issues, uh, as far as an immigration policy, an immigration plan. Uh, so let's say all that's true. Say we need to get that right. The abuse of people that's true. in these detention centers is our focus tonight. It's not necessarily the, the lack of an immigration policy. It is the fact that even if people are in the process to try to go through the process, of becoming American citizens, why are they being tortured and abused in detention centers, which is no different than prison? It's lockdown. It's the same thing. County jails are being treated differently. I mean, it is a biased situation as people frown upon uh, these folks of different, and it's just, it's not just Mexico. We're talking about uh, Guatemala. We're talking about places all over, right. uh, you know, the, in the world that people are coming from different situations. Samson, your thoughts? Well, I think that the, the whole citizenship is just a guise for these people to to use whatever they can to, to mistreat folks. And like you said, with all these different barriers, with all these different challenges, with everything like that, I mean, what happened? When did America stop going by the words that are inscribed in the Statue of Liberty where it says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free? That's all these people are doing right there. They're trying to breathe freely. Okay, say whatever you want about whatever immigration policy. That's what they're doing. They're doing what all of our ancestors did about trying to come to this place to build a better life, to you know try and live out the American dream. Let's be honest. Yeah. You know, yeah, there are a lot of things that have gone wrong in American history, but to live the American dream, to sit here and seek opportunity, to seek a better life, not only for you but for your children and generations to come. That's what these same people are doing, and they're being harmed, they're being mistreated, and they're being used basically as cash cows for these privately ran institutions. No, absolutely right. Dennis, your thought? And I agree. Uh, when you talk about uh, immigrants, uh, you know, from all over the world, and, and they come to the United States seeking, you know, asylum, uh, 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 seeking, you know, to find a better life, and then they find themselves in a position where uh, they're held up uh, and in being so. Uh, they're being held, uh, you know, in these, these institutions, and they're not being treated fairly, especially, you know, fathers, mothers being uh, separated from children. And now they're trying to push a law to make it, uh, you know, that it's not mandated, you know, in 20 days or 30 days. Uh, there, there is no day. So uh, I, I think it's a big problem. I think America really needs to look. And like you said, oh. it's not about, uh, you know, uh, really saying, you know, it's not about immigration per se. It's about the abuse and of the those personnel, yeah, yeah, of those that are uh, immigrants that are behind bars. No, absolutely, and their voice matters. And I don't care what nationality, where they come from, what country they come from. Uh, they, no one. And again, we talked about this the other night. If prisoners of war have rights to be treated a certain way, 
then surely immigrants have a right to be treated with some respect, uh, especially as they seek and look to America as a place of hope. Why would we dash that, uh, that hope? That's something that just can't be tolerated. It's happening. The abuse of these folks are happening in county jails. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, Judge, uh, excuse me, uh, Sheriff Arpaio, former uh, sheriff in uh, Arizona. Uh, you'll hear a clip on him. Uh, some of the things that he did was outrageous. And as the bottom line is you can call it what you want to call it. It is strict, basic, clear, and dry racism and targeting uh, by, uh, by our Hispanic brothers and sisters in that case, dealing with those issues. So this is something that uh, simply cannot be go ignored. We will not ignore it. We'll address the issues, and uh, we're going to continue to address the issues of, of, of these uh, horrific stories that's coming uh, uh, you know, to our listeners and everybody, everybody around this country uh, is aware that there is a problem. And if they have no problem abusing uh, their own citizens behind the wall, I can guarantee you they're not going to have any problem abusing those that they count as foreigners as they counted those that don't belong here, which is ridiculous and totally and utterly despicable, and we're going to be addressing those issues as well. So, folks, hang on. Uh, We're coming back. Voices from behind the wall, the abuse of immigrants in America's jail, prisons, detention centers, and we're going to deal with that topic tonight. Joining us at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Maru Mora Villapando. She'll be joining us. She's CEO and founder of Latino Advocacy organizer with NWDC Resistance. And I had an opportunity to speak with her yesterday, uh, a woman with a lot of passion. Uh, There's some things going on. Uh, Hunger strikes are happening in some of these detention centers as a result of the treatment uh, of these immigrants. And uh, she's she's involved with that. She's going to tell her her point of view on that and, and get in a little bit more detail about that situation. Folks, this aims to be a good one, but very informative. Come back with us. Feel free to dial in tonight at 646 200 0628-646-200-0628 as we continue Voices from Behind the Wall tonight, Abuse of Immigrants Behind the Wall. We'll be right back. This is ADC Radio. Say goodbye to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougesol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at AskGreenNo.com. 
For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should they ever be faced with, especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, one 855 529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize the message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can have value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talent and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Don't add her to the chain. It was just a joke. We're not friends. Why are you talking to me? You started it. It's so gross. User. Weirdo. I've said and done things before that I'm not proud of. Just as I've been hurt by others. The thing is, this, this is not who I am. And it's definitely not who I want to be. I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to spread gossip. I don't want to be a body shaver. I don't want to exclude anyone. I don't want to make anyone feel lonely. Left out. Hurt. We can create a kinder world. It's not that hard. We just need to stop. Take a moment and consider others before we speak. And before we act. Be more. Be more. Be more. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less 
and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, and tonight we continue Voices from Behind the Wall, abuse of immigrants in detention centers in this nation, and abuse that just cannot be tolerated or allowed, as we again have been talking about Voices from Behind the Wall, who have been silent as a result of fear of retaliation, as a result of not being felt to matter, and tonight we take a look at our our sisters and brothers that may not originally be from this country, but came here and come here continually looking for asylum from violence in the countries in which they live. And this is something that uh, we're going to be talking about tonight. I'm Lamont Banks, again, along with the entire agency radio team, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, William Williams, Samson Riddle. And Samson, as we get ready to dig into this one, I think you made a good point earlier that these people simply are looking for a way out. Uh, and I think the misconception is that these people are just here. They want to come here and simply just break the law and, and you know, run amok in the United States. I don't think that's the case. And we're learning that's not the case when you have a, reti- a soldier who served in the military. I don't know if you heard this story. I think he, he served for quite some time and was deported uh, back to, uh, I believe, Mexico. Uh, but he had done actually a tour here. But there was some issue with his uh, citizenship. But, you know, my thought, and I'm not an immigration expert, but my thought, if the gentleman came here and fought for this country, uh, you okay let him do that. But as soon as he's done and that's all wrapped up, well, we're going to go ahead and send you back to where you came from. I, I think that just sends a very negative and wrong message. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean. While I was in the service, like I, I had the pleasure of serving with a number of people from a number of different countries that were working to get their citizenship here as part of, you know, uh, their tour of service. You know, I'm talking about people from Haiti, um, different uh, European countries, Mexico, and, and the thing is, is like they saw this their service as an opportunity and a uh, a streamlined path to to citizenship because. They saw the opportunities that uh, the United States had, not only for them, but again, like I said earlier, for future generations. Now, with people wanting to judge all these uh, all these immigrants or whatever you want to call them that are coming in here, and they're saying they're just wanting you to, to run amok or do criminal activities and stuff like that. I mean, you're you're judging a huge populace by a very very small percentage uh, of those that are trying or that are trying to come here, that are trying to you know work. And, and better themselves and their families. And I think just to do that and to discount them, you know, into the in these well, detention facilities is horrible. Well, I think in the problem you run into is that, again, we're not, we're not here to, to chime necessarily that immigration. Everybody's aware that has right. to happen. But to abuse people after they get here uh, and they're held in these detention centers here in the United States, the same way they're abusing prisoners in prisons and jails in this country is, is just not going to be. Oh, it's, it's deplorable. Cliff, we have a caller. 
Yes, we have uh, Mike who wants to make a comment about the uh, immigrants who are on strike in the USA. And Mike, thanks for your call. You're live. Yes. Uh, first of all, I want to let you know that we have our own prisoners uh, in the United States of America are on a strike for the abuse and for, uh, you know, poor uh, conditions inside the prison and also the prisoner guards beating them. So they have a general strike. It started last week. I think it's, it still keep going until... Um, uh, September 11, I believe. But uh, the question is, uh, why, uh, you know, prisoner in our prison systems in United States is very bad. I mean, uh, they treat you like more crap than outside this prison system. So what's the difference? No, good question and good point. And and I think, I think. If I was to answer that the best that I could, I think the culture uh, and the, the the racism, look, we've dealt with racism in this country for a long time. It's it's not right. A man should not be judged by wherever he comes from, but the, who he is as a person, the character of the man should be judged. And the, the bottom line is that's the problem. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with situations where hate, uh, people are, I mean, this country is divided right now. Uh, as a result of these issues, uh, and I think it's wrong. And uh, I think as far as the strike that's going on uh, in the prisons here by uh, some, of the, some of the immigrants here, I think it's a, it's, they need to send a message that we will not be abused. Uh, and it's people like yourself, Mike, that, uh, that, that let your voice be heard about what's going on. The fact that you see the system, the prison system in, in America as a bad one, you're not alone in that thought. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a you're problem. not. Yes. Yes, go yes, ahead. Uh, in Sweden, in Sweden, they put them in uh, one island. They give them each one a home. They give them each one uh, access to internet, everything, food, everything. Even prisoner, prisoner guards. Uh, time to time, when you go to the island, you know they don't even carry weapons of any kind, and uh, so. Uh, I mean, we we see the Europe treats how they uh, I mean, Sweden uh, treat their prisoners, and then look at us. We 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 car milk them. We use them uh, in the fires in uh, United States of America since we have lack of manpower. Instead of hiring the uh, right people. And then we let them use them to the cow milk them, and we give them one dollar a day. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's no, you're that's, right. Uh, that's that's called worse than communism. That's called worse than socialism. Oh, I agree. I totally At agree. Least in, in, Go ahead, Social state, you have a free medical and etc. etc. You have a right, uh, uh, you have a minimum standard to live with. But I mean, the prisoners, I mean, they use them for one dollar a day, and then if they're good, maybe they get thirty-eight dollar a week later on. I mean, yeah. this is exploitation uh, uh, of the prisoners. No, I agree with you. Um... 
And and Mike, thanks for the call. We appreciate your your thoughts on that. And I think that's a uh, that's a true point. You can't have it both ways. So if you have fires breaking out across the country, and we let, as he said, they bring bring them in, help get these fires down. Well, that's hypocritical. You either have an issue. It tells me the issue is not. Oh, they they can't do, be productive citizens here. We want our cake and we want to be able to eat it too. It doesn't work that way. You want to bash these people. You want to treat them like animals. But in a crisis time in this country when help is needed because there's not enough manpower, let's call all the, legal, the immigrants in and let them work. Let them risk their lives. But then you want to treat them as second-class citizens? You want to treat them as animals? No wonder people are outraged by this. And I think Mike's point is clear. You can't use – I mean, that's bad. You're simply just using these people. And, and you're, you're, you're doing and you're saying what you're saying. Uh, I don't know how a person would not be outraged by that. And I understand why. Why, why are these people uh, in these detention centers, these Hispanic folks, why are they striking? Because something's not being done here. Strikes happen when they're saying we've had enough. They have every right to be treated as human beings. Samson, your thoughts on the caller. Oh, no, I absolutely agree with Mike's point and just how, you know, like the point Lisa made even on uh, Tuesday, how this there just seems to be an extreme lack of humanity in all these situations. And and these detention centers and prisons have turned into like the the modern day uh, slavery, for lack of a better term. And I mean, these immigrants and people that are trying to come to this country, the, the different the main difference between them and. Uh, normal detainees is like they're not even being you know treated like to the standard that normal prisoners are. They're being treated even worse. They're like you said, they're being treated as second class citizens. They're being treated like they're worthless, and it just it's I don't know. It's just it's shocking and appalling to me. Like just reading through some of these articles, how these people are treated and, and just the vile remarks that they have to deal with on a daily basis. States here, a man detained. It's coming from the Intercept. Uh, uh, newspaper uh, written here that uh, and this information regarding a man detained by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement was told by an officer at the Bristol County House of Corrections in North Dartmouth, Massachusetts, that he would bet for him in a fight against another detainee. When the man refused to engage in fights for the entertainment of officials and tried to file a complaint, the officer told him no one will believe baboon complaints. This is what you told another human being. Let me read that again. The officers in this detention center went to one of the immigrants there and wanted him to engage in fighting so he could place a bet. The man refused, said, I don't want no part of it. He said, no one will believe a baboon's complaint. That comes all the way from the top. The detained man was then subjected to retaliation and further humiliation. Officers denied him hygiene products and his food was thrown away. They continued to refer to him as a baboon, a gorilla, and encouraged others to rattle his cage. In addition to physical and sexual assault, immigrants in detention are often subjected to bigoted remarks by facility personnel. The incident at Bristol County House of Corrections is just one of at least 800 complaints of abuse motivated by hate in 34 immigration detention facilities 
that have been documented since President uh, Trump took office. So this is, since this administration has come in, there's even more complaints. Uh, and it states here, the accounts of abuse were gathered by the nonprofit uh, 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 by a nonprofit through visits, phone calls, and letters with people in immigration detention, as well as reported complaints obtained from the Department of Homeland Security. Over 800. This is one facility. And I'm gonna tell you what, that's sanctioned by whoever runs that detention center. We talk about this all the time about the culture. What is allowed? What culture is in in every workplace? There is an existing culture of conduct. What's allowed, what's not, what's forbidden. No one is going to sit back and feel free to call this immigrant a baboon without it being sanctioned by those who run that. I'm sorry. That, that's a culture. That, that, what makes me feel comfortable to do that? And this is what we're talking about. Voices from behind the wall. They make fun of their language, the language barrier. Mm-hmm. They look down on them. That's unacceptable. You're right. You're right. And some of these folks even started to want to go to Canada to get out of the United States because of this type of treatment. The place, as you quoted earlier, with uh, this written on the Statue of Liberty. Is that right, mm-hmm. Samson? Can you can you re-read that for us? Sure, let me restate that. Let me pull it up here real quick. Because that's important. And this is what we stood for. Samson, go ahead. It says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. I mean, just think about that. He said, bring your poor. Mm Mm-hmm. Those that not are, are coming here because they have the best social status. And this country was built by some of the strongest places in this country. The foundations that have been laid here were people that were immigrants that came to this country and sought for a better way and found it and contributed. So now these folks are waiting for that process. Many of them have not been charged with any type of a crime. But they're held in a detention center. They're held in a jail. We need to investigate this. There's a way to do things. This is not uh, the way to actually do it. Cliff, you had a comment. Yeah, and when you think about most of the immigrants, I mean, most of the immigrants that come to America, despite what you hear in the, uh, in the news all the time or from the administration, I mean, it, most of these people are either coming looking for a job because they're uh, poor, you know, like the like the plaque says on the Statue of Liberty. That's why it's there. Bring me your poor and your huddled masses. They're either people who are looking for a better way of life or they're looking for asylum from some dictatorship that their life is on the line. Because it's not easy to say, okay, I am going to uproot my entire family and go. I'm not just going to another city, to another state. I'm going to live with a relative, you know, in down in Texas. No, you are leaving your home country and going to another country where you you uh, most likely don't know the language. You don't know anybody there. You're running for your life looking for a place where you can have some safety, where you can feel like your children aren't going to be uh, aren't going to be killed or enslaved or, you know, turned into some type of uh, warmonger or something like that. 
and then to bring those people and say, okay, well, we're just going to, we're going to put them in these so-called detention centers, which are a little more than a cage that animals should be in, and then abuse them on top of that. These are the type of things that, you know, we say it time and time again. You have to get involved. For our listening audience, you have to get involved. You have to get in touch with your uh, member of Congress, those who write mm-hmm. legislature, and vote to say, I do not want to see any human, for that matter, treated like this. Uh, immigrant, even even if they're here undocumented, it is not a reason that is not a uh, you know a free for all to abuse people. It yeah, just, yeah. I mean, where is the humanity in America? Where has it gone to? And that's what we want to talk about. William, go ahead. No, I, you know, even as Cliff was talking, I think the, the reality in which we, we, we look at this is critical. These people come here. This is a one-way ticket for them. There is no, there is no plan B for these people. You know, when they're, they're running from their situation, their oppression, their, you know, uh, either the, the situation in their country, the dictatorship, whatever, they, they huddle together, they, they sell pretty much everything that they have for means to come across the, the, uh, the line to get here. And there is no plan B. And once they get here, then our own, like you said, Lamont, these facilities have given – they have this culture and belief that, okay, they are from another country. Let's abuse them. It's the exact same thing as you know we talked about in previous shows. Once a person is in jail, they're wearing orange. They haven't been convicted of anything. But because they are in that situation, now it gives them the – the I guess the green light to abuse these people, and that's what's so sad about this. It is, it is, Dennis. And, and I think the the abuse is uh, is used as a deterrent. I, I truly believe that this. Of course, this is my opinion. Uh, you abuse uh, the immigrants enough, uh, eventually it gets back to others, and they and, and you 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 put out this this precept that hey uh, I don't I don't want to come to America, but it's sad that you know you would put America in that position that people would not want to come to America because we're seen as abusers. I think that's a sad thing, but I truly believe that these detention centers, it, it, it's just a deterrent. We want to we wanna stop you from wanting to come to America, and I think that's a sad thing. Well, they go further here. It says some of these documented incidents of abuse are clearly motivated by hate, such as when an officer called someone a dog and told them to go fetch your food at the Theo Lacey facility in Orange, California. Your thoughts on that, Samson? Again, I mean, we, we talk about this, the mistreatment of, of detainees and prisoners and everything like that. And to, to, to belittle somebody to the point of where you're calling them a dog and wanting them to go fetch their food. I mean, who do these people think they are? I mean, where, when did we as Americans become so entitled that we're we're not willing to look at our, our brethren in the world community and at least give them, give them a shot, you know, give them a shot because that's all we were given. And like, like Cliff and, and Will alluded to, you know, this it's, it's not a, Oh, we're just going to go and try this out. Normally it's, it's, this is our last shot. These are all, this is everything we have, whether they came over, you know, like some Cuban immigrants come over on a raft, if they had to cross a river, if whatever they had to do. The fact of the matter is, is they've calculated it in their minds that every single risk, every single bit of bias, every barrier that they're going to have to face, 
It's better to face that and risk it trying to get here than to stay where they're at. And people aren't thinking that way. No, they're not. It's, it's a that Pennell County Jail in Florence, Arizona. A guard told a man to look in the mirror to see King Kong. Another immigrant was denied pain medication and x-ray. Uh, medical treatment being denied. Because you're an immigrant. What, uh, how, how does that even make it's, sense? It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing that we, we've talked about that's happening in our, our jails and our prison system. They, they are doing the exact same thing. They have now this, this attitude that, okay, if you're guilty or not guilty, we don't care. You're having this uniform on. We stereotype or put you in this, this situation the way we view you. That's it. We can mistreat you. We can uh, degrade you. We can deny you food and, and, and services. We don't care. And, and I agree with what Dennis said. In some ways, it, I think it is a, a deterrent because that yep. word is going to get back. But the sad thing is this is a country that is built upon the immigrants. And these people are looking for that American dream, and they and they get here and it's crushed. And there's generations that have come before them, yes, mm-hmm. uh, that they have this sense of hope to leave those situations. We're going to play a quick clip. Uh, we're going to look inside U.S. Immigration Detention Centers right here in America. Let's see what the clip had to say. But here in the United States, some 34,000 undocumented immigrants are being held in detention centers. Many have fled violence in Central America and have family here, but they still face deportation. VOA's Jerome Sokolovsky went to one of the country's largest detention centers where critics who want to see it closed are trying to help the detainees inside. Take a look. Volunteer Beatriz Enao tries to lift the spirits of a Salvadoran detainee, telling him God never arrives late. Nilson Flores was caught at the border in May and brought to the Stewart Detention Center in Georgia, a facility for male detainees. Most of them are sent back to their countries despite conditions there. They should call this place the jail of broken dreams. And now is a volunteer with El Refugio, the refuge in Spanish. The faith-based group works out of a house down the road in Lumpkin, Georgia. Now, you were able to accompany volunteers to this center. What stands out to you about the time you spent with them there? I think the, the motivation of these people to actually have a contact with the detainees um, was, was quite striking. Uh, from a moral and a, and a religious perspective, they feel that uh, they have to show hospitality to uh, these strangers in their uh, country. One of them told me, I almost feel like I have to go and say, I do not agree with this. I'm not part of this. I want to help you and do you know, what little I can. I want to talk more about this for-profit aspect of the system. People who support that, why do they say that that's a, a good way to set up the system? Right. Well, the federal government says that this is a more tax-effective way of uh, detaining uh, these people, and that it's also it gives them the flexibility to move people around. However, the opponents say that what ends up happening is that there's a profit incentive. When your profit margin is dependent upon um, apprehending and incarcerating, and when you make more profit by cutting costs in their care, I feel that that's um, 
that's reprehensible. The estimates I saw is that it costs about $150 a day to keep these people in detention. I, there are lots of hotels that I stay at when I'm traveling that don't cost that much. It's interesting, Jerome. We don't often get a look inside these detention centers. How was it that you were able to go in and do this touring? I was a bit surprised that I was allowed in. Also, the people at El Refugio told me that it was very unusual for, for uh, a reporter with a camera to be allowed in. Uh, I think the, one of the interesting things is I was promised an interview with this detainee one on one. But when I was there, I was told, oh, for us to arrange that, we have to shut down the whole uh, family visit system. I was accredited to go to this center, and uh, that, you know, the arrangements should have been made. Uh, there should have been a separate room for an interview with this guy. I'm not saying, I'm not unhappy with the way it turned out, because in a way, yeah, I it think was, it's, it was it's very realistic yeah. Yeah, to see through the window but yeah. doing tv it makes it more difficult to tell his story because you need shots of him doing other things to right. be able to tell to talk talk about him so let's that, let's talk more about him and, and his story what drove him to to come to the u.s i think it's a very interesting and and moving and tragic story his family left or fled el salvador during the civil war uh, I think around 1990, and he was a baby then, so he was left behind with relatives. Um, now there's another wave of violence in the country, and he's trying to leave and rejoin his parents, who he hasn't seen for for 24 years. Uh, he's 25 years old, um, so he, you know, he made the perilous journey through Mexico and uh, was abandoned in the desert by a coyote, by a, you know, a, a human smuggler. You know, he said at one point I was just, I had no, I was so exhausted, I just turned myself into the authorities. What do you hope people who watch your piece take away from it? I think the way this issue has been portrayed in this country has been pretty one-sided against these immigrants. So I didn't think it was such a bad thing to give uh, the people who feel empathy with them more of a voice. I think this is a voice we don't hear so much in the debate in the Well, there you have it. Uh, tragic, uh, and there, as you heard in the in the piece, there, uh, Samson talking about uh, the, the the bias. It's the, it's the overwhelming bias because of what the perception has been presented to a lot of people, and it's been a negative one. And you know, I salute and and really have a great deal of respect for the members of Congress who fought, continue to try to fight for DACA. But for these folks of no fault of their own are here. They know nothing but America. Uh, but some of these folks, as, as they round people up and put them in detention centers, all they've known America to be is a place of peace and a place of, of, of good, good feelings. That's out the window right now. People are, that's why people are marching and they're, they're doing what they're doing to say, look, don't abandon us now. I think the, the clip speaks clear to that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you have these, what they call, I think they call them dreamers. You know, the, these young people, like you said, I mean, they, they were innocent regardless of if they, how bad they want to criminalize the parents, which, I, you know, um, I'm not even on the side of that necessarily. Um, but, I mean, like you said, all these kids have known is the United States, and they've known that 
you know, they've known peace. They've known prosperity, you know, more than their parents probably ever would. And, and now they're, they're, they're being, like you said, they're being rounded up. They're being detained. And they're having that not only the innocence but that hope just stripped away from them from the future that they're trying to build. I mean, to pick up a newspaper, turn on the news, and you see reports of sexual assault, physical abuse, beatings in these detention centers. That's why these are voices from behind the wall crying. It doesn't say black voices behind the wall, white voices behind Voices. Human beings. Let's take America out of the equation. Where's the human spirit of how I treat another human being? Absolutely. doesn't matter what country we're talking about. These are human beings. And we're going to get d- deeper into that conversation. Right now, joining us on the program, uh, Maru Mora Villapando, I, believe, I hope I pronounced that right. Had an opportunity to talk to this young lady who's doing some great things and, and wanted to d- definitely bring her voice to this conversation. Uh, and we're going to hear from her now. Uh, Maru, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We wanted to make sure you were okay as our team began to search you out, but you, you made it through the line, so we appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your schedule uh, to have a conversation with us on this very important issue. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. Give us your thoughts. I know we talked the other day uh, about the uh, the strike situation that's going on. Why don't you explain that to our listeners? And why that all those things are developing right now? Right. Um, so here in the in Washington State, we have one of the largest detention centers in the West Coast. It's called Norwest Detention Center. It's run by a private corporation called GEO. Uh, this corporation uh, runs and owns most of the uh, detention centers, the private detention centers in the nation. Um, the detention centers where most immigrants are held right now throughout the nation um, are about 60 to 70 percent of those are, are run by private corporations, including GEO. GEO is one of the top three uh, corporations that do this kind of, uh, you know, profiting of engaging human beings. And so what, what we see is that the detention center is making money not only of being a privatized um, place where they make money um, out of just having people in, in cages, but also they, um, people detain work for a dollar a day for this corporation. Um, They run the kitchen, the laundry services, the uh, cleaning the bathrooms, but actually most of the jobs are not even paid. So what you see is definitely the the Northwest Detention Center in Tacoma, Washington, is a a good example of why the criminalization of, of immigrants is happening. And it's happening because it's a great business. So right now in the detention center, we have one hunger strike happening, one of many that have happened since 2014 where we began um, our organizing work of supporting uh, people in detention. So that's what's happening right now is precisely people in detention joining the national prison strike and calling for not only the better conditions uh, for people in detention and, and the ending the separation of families both at the border and in the interior, but really to calling for an end for this uh, machine of detention and deportation and separation of families. No, no, absolutely right. And it says here that uh, uh, you are the uh, community organizer with NWDC Resistance Grassroots Volunteer Group working to end all detentions and deportations in Washington State. Why do you think it's important that these detention centers be shut down? We are hearing tonight uh, that a lot of these detention centers are, are harboring really horrible situations, whether you're talking about sexual assault, 
you're talking about, uh, you know, guards disrespecting uh, these immigrants, uh, humiliating these immigrants. I don't see the cause for them to be open. Uh, is that what is your position on why these things, these detentions must be personally fixing some of those issues? Why do they need to be shut down? Well, like I said, um, I, I, part of the uh, thinking of creating the detention centers was to uh, ensure the profiting of black and brown bodies. Um, mm-hmm. But in order to do that, they have to criminalize us first. They have to create an excuse for it. And yeah. um, the reason why I think GEO uh, has lobbied so much for this kind of criminalization is because they started actually in the prison system. They came out of the uh, uh, war against drugs and, and, and the maximum uh, security prisons that started to be built in the, in the 80s. And they were in that business. But in the 90s, they realized there was a lot of fight back uh, in regards to the massive uh, prison system. And they, they saw, well, if they shut down private prisons, we should start looking for a new business. So they started lobbying for the privatization of, of immigration detention, which didn't exist before. So for one, we, we remind people this wasn't happening 15 years ago when um, the Republicans created the Department of Homeland Security with the excuse of 9-11. Second, it's only the the detention uh, of immigrants right now is nothing but the expansion of the prison system in itself. And Mm -hmm. it's even worse because in the detention centers, there's no standards and there's no accountability. If we already heard from our brothers and sisters in prison, telling us of the horrible, horrible situations that are happening there, when some of of those are transferred to detention facilities under ICE custody, for Mm -hmm. the ones that we have talked to, they say again and again, you know what, prison is actually better than the detention center. So that's why it's so important to shut down these detention centers, for one, to end with the criminalization and the war against immigrants, but actually because it, 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 will, it will help the fight to also finish with prison in the horrible system that is just uh, perpetuating, you know, the, the, the slavery, literally slavery of uh, black and brown bodies. No, absolutely right. Uh, states here also, the Northwest Detention Center in Tacoma, Washington, is one of the largest immigration prisons in the country with the capacity to hold up to 1,500 and 75 immigrants, people end up in the detention center after being transferred from local law enforcement uh, custody uh, after immigration raids, after being transferred from the border regions. Again, not even really uh, being criminalized, criminalized, excuse me, as you stated, uh, Maru, that sometimes no crimes are even committed here. Uh, It sounds to me what they want to do with the problem, let's just warehouse Put a warehouse and throw them in there. That way we don't have to worry about it. And make some money. That's in the right. Yes, go That's ahead. That's right. And, and we have seen again and again so many people um, being sent to detention centers for whatever reason. And, and I think it's also important to remind the audience that a lot of people that, quote, unquote, have criminal records are people that are, were still going through the system, through the criminal system, them out of that system even before the process ended against them. And once they're pulled out of that system, that system guarantees that, yes, you will have a criminal record because guess what? You didn't come back to your hearing. So they um, issue a warrant for your arrest. Well, you are sitting in a detention center where, uh, in this case, in Tacoma, 
they're making so much money out of you because they're charging anything between 110 to 180 dollars per day per person plus they're putting you to work for free for them most of the labor happening in the detention center is a slave labor people don't get paid anything as a matter of fact all this week that the hunger strike has been happening people have told me we've done jobs jobs plural so we have like a guy run doing the kitchen and then he went and did the the showers, and then he went in and painted. But for all the jobs he did, if he gets paid, he still gets only $1 a day. He doesn't get $3 per per job. He still would only get a dollar a day. So it's the perfect business. Wow. That's, un, that, that's unbelievable. And the issue is, again, this is big business. But then the, the issue we're dealing with, Maru, tonight is not only are you working these folks it's slave labor. You're abusing them. You're abusing them. You're beating them. And if they have an issue with a guard, as we read earlier, they beat the guy and said nobody's going to believe what a baboon says anyway. And you wonder why there's a disconnect in this country when it comes to our immigrant sisters and brothers? This is why. And it's a tragedy. I salute your work, uh, Maru, for what you're doing and, and the efforts and the hard work that you're putting in uh, to bring an end to this type of – this is cruelty. And I just don't know how people sleep at night doing that. You know what I mean? So uh, this is something we definitely have to, have to say. That Duke Group is one of the largest private prisons. If it's a federal government issue – why are they allowing private prisons to get involved here and house these people? It doesn't make any sense. Because there's no room anyway. So rather than round all these people up, this is what they, they end up doing. Maru, do you have a few more minutes to come back with us? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to dial into the show tonight, 646 200 646-200-0628 is we're very honored to have uh, our guest tonight, we're going to be joined here shortly as well uh, with Kath- Kathy Morris. She's going to be joining us as well, giving her uh, 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 intake, if you will, or position or per, uh, what her thoughts are on this troubling issue. We're joined tonight by Maru Mora Villapando, who's giving her insight, uh, really out there working. She's the advocacy organizer, founder of Latino Advocacy Organizer with NWDC Resistance. And uh, we salute her efforts to bring a change as tonight we continue the series Voices from Behind the Wall. Tonight, who's talking? Our immigrant brothers and sisters. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. 
The racial composition of the prison population in the United States is very different from the population at large. If people are worried about inequality in America today, I think this deserves more attention in the discussion. Racial inequality in the criminal justice system gets ignored because it doesn't affect most people. In 2010, over 1.6 million people were in state and federal prisons within the United States. So 497 out of every 100,000 Americans were in jail, about half of 1%. Less than 1%. That doesn't seem very large, but... When you separate that population by race, you recognize that the personal effects of the criminal justice system are very unequally shared throughout our society. Whites make up 64% of the total population, but only 31% of the incarcerated population. Blacks represent 14% of society, but 36% of the prison population. Hispanics are 16% of America, but 24% of the American prison population. Less than one in a hundred Americans are currently in jail, but for some races, genders, and age groups, that ratio is a lot larger. For example, if you're young, black, and male, it's closer to about one in four. That means you'd have a higher probability of going to jail than of getting married or going to college. These results are unequal and problematic as poor black communities lack so many of their members. But what can be done? The causes of this trend are undoubtedly complicated and multi-causal. But there is reason to suggest that part of the blame is our criminal justice system itself. In the ways police officers enforce laws, in the ways that laws are written and prosecuted, and more. In many cases, it is not overt racism by individual actors. Many police officers, prosecutors, and judges are undoubtedly trying to be fair and trying to do the right thing. But economics can explain how unequal enforcement of the criminal law happens anyway. This is because the political and bureaucratic structure of the criminal justice system creates perverse incentives. The formal laws surrounding drug prohibition, for example, are written as if to be colorblind. But people with different levels of wealth face different costs and benefits to participating in the drug trade. Different groups consume different drugs at different rates and Lastly, those groups are politically represented in very different quantities. Thus, they are arrested and incarcerated at very different rates. How could minority groups hope to use the political process to fix inequality when they are systematically over-incarcerated and disenfranchised? Despite noble intentions, politics often does not affect the basic incentives of costs and benefits faced by political or citizen actors. We might need a new approach to social change if we are going to address these problems. We definitely need more study into the causes of inequality, and we should admit that radical changes might be both necessary and preferable to the status quo. Barred police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that 
and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice. And making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight, I'll tell you what, folks, this is something that is troubling, that our immigrant brothers and sisters are being treated. Not only adults, children uh, are being mistreated in these detention centers, uh, better word for it, jails uh, for our our immigrants, uh, the immigrants that are trying to go to Samson's point earlier. They are going through the process. Uh, to try to attain citizenship, try to attain uh, their rights, uh, and they're being treated as if they're convicted uh, criminals. Uh, these, a lot of these folks are just going through the process, uh, and they're being judged so harshly and wrong, and, and we're definitely not going to put up with that. We're going to, again, let everybody know across this nation that uh, uh, Voices from Behind the Wall will continue. Tonight we focus on our immigrant brothers and sisters, and we're so happy to be joined by uh, Maru Mora Villapando. She's and a, the CEO and founder of Latino Advocacy, uh, organizer with the NWEC Resistance. And Maru, thank you again for being with us a few minutes tonight after your evening uh, to talk about this situation. We appreciate it so much. Well, thank you again for the invitation. Yes, and uh, let me ask you, Maru, how uh, dominant are, are, are uh, cases of sexual assault that you're hearing about in these detention centers? Well, you know, as a matter of fact, there was a uh, an article uh, written by a very mainstream news outlet recently where they actually find out that this detention center, which, by the way, is um, labeled as their top facility in the country to have uh, the biggest number of complaints in regards to sexual assault and sexual harassment. So. Wow. If this is their top facility, that, that tells you in itself there's, some, there's a problem. But here's the other thing. I don't think it's necessarily the top facility, first of all. But second, um, it's not the one, I think, with the biggest numbers of uh, sexual assault and sexual harassment. I yeah. believe all detention centers have this problem. I think the yeah. difference here is the organizing outside, where we have always told people, File a kite, file a kite, whatever it happens, yep. whatever it's done to you, just file a kite so there's a documentation there, which is not happening in other places. But, you know, being, being a cage and nobody looking, of course it's going to happen. And it's another way of control and repression and humiliation. Because what we've seen in the way Gio and I behave is that the last thing they want is for the people detained to be united, to be organized. And so how do they stop that from happening? One is to break their spirit, to humiliate them the worst way possible. So obviously we have heard of uh, sexual assault, 
we have heard of, of people uh, suffering of sexual harassment. Uh, for example, people that are being transferred from that facility to another facility, um, when they get to the other facility in a different state, they are uh, super strict searches every time, although they're, they're coming under ICE uh, custody. Um, the other yeah. thing we have heard is uh, the very common, you know, subtle uh, language that guards use, um, for, especially for men. The facility has uh, about 1,200 men and about 300 women um, capacity. So and it's especially for men, sometimes it's more difficult to actually report those issues, right, those, those types of assaults. Um, yeah. And so we, what we see is that there's a very intentional way to prevent people from organizing, but also fighting back on their own cases. Because the more people feel humiliated, the more people feel isolated, the more people feel weak, the more difficult it be for them to fight their own cases. Because remember, in immigration, um, you don't get a lawyer. You have to find your own lawyer. And in immigration yeah. custody, although it's civil, all the burden is on you. It's not in the state to prove that you should be deported. It's the burden is on you to prove that you shouldn't be deported. So, again, it's, it's such a very well-built system to ensure that people will lose, and especially, again, um, to ensure that the people will feel uh, weak and vulnerable and they wouldn't uh, organize. But look look what's been happening now. We have three weeks of hunger strike already, and people are not stopping. Yep, yep. No, no, good point made. And... Uh... I want to play a clip really quick about the sexual assault. We're going to be joined here shortly. Who's going to come on the conversation with us, Maru, is uh, Kathy Morse. Uh, she's a voice against this, these type of issues as well. We're going to uh, have her join the conversation after we play this clip. So bear with us, and let's see what the clip has to say. Allegations coming out of an immigration detention facility in Carnes County tonight claims of women being pulled out of their rooms at night for sex. News 4 San Antonio's Melissa Vega is digging deeper to find out how these allegations were uncovered. And she joins us live from Carnes County. Melissa. Well, we're told hundreds of immigrant women and children are living inside this facility. This facility opened back on August 1st, so it hasn't been open for a very long time. But those allegations were uncovered after other women came forward. What's happening behind closed doors inside this new Carnes County Immigrant Residential Center? That's exactly what several attorneys, including those with MALDEF, the Mexican-American Legal Defense Education Fund, are trying to get to the bottom of. From what we understand, there are at least three to four victims. The alleged victims are women, who MALDEF says were being pulled out of their detention rooms at night by possibly three federal workers and returned early in the morning. There were accounts of guards offering sexual favors, uh, requesting sexual favors in exchange for promises of money and help with immigration cases. And witnesses also observed open sexual contact, kissing, touching, caressing, that kind of thing, between facility personnel and women in open view of the other detainees, including children. The Department of Homeland Security, Immigration and Customs Enforcement says the agency has a zero tolerance policy for all forms of sexual abuse or assault. They also add they are committed to ensuring all individuals in their custody are housed and treated in a safe, secure and humane manner. And it's our understanding that the alleged perpetrators uh, are still holding their positions 
uh, in with the open population and have access to the women and children. The attorneys representing the women have filed an official complaint with federal immigration officials and are calling on the federal government to conduct a very comprehensive investigation into these allegations. We want to know what the government is doing. We want a swift response and we want the government to ensure the protection of these families. And Maldives says if the women at the center of these allegations are about to be deported, the federal government should hold off on those deportations until a thorough investigation is done. Of course, we will continue to follow this story and let you know what develops. Reporting live in Carnes County tonight, Melissa Vega, News 4, San Antonio. Well, there you have it. Outrageous. Completely outrageous. So you got folks in here saying, I'm going to get a cheap thrill and rape these women in these facilities? And here's what's tragic. You have a language barrier many times. Complete language barrier. And you are going to put something such a, a scar so deep and so horrific into these people and you leave them out here like this is a, it makes no sense to me. Uh, Maru, we're going to get to you in a moment. I want to get your comments on that clip. Joining us right now as well, Kathy Morse, uh, a friend of AJC Radio, a voice that's definitely being heard about abuse behind the wall. As tonight we address voices behind the wall, the uh, voices of our immigrant brothers and sisters. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Good evening. How are you? We're doing well. Thank you so much for coming back with us tonight. I'm going to get your thoughts on that clip. If you did hear it, I'm going to hit Maru's point really quick, and we're going to come right back to you. Maru, what do you think of that, what you just heard? Yes. Um, well, yeah, that, that reminds me of a detention center in uh, Berks, uh, Philadelphia, that uh, women <clears> – <throat> Under the Obama administration, as a matter of fact, women were being sent to this detention center, which was is run by ICE, and they started complaining about the detention um, uh, of them and their children. Uh, and what it happened is that, on, that there was a big campaign to shut down the place. The place wasn't still open until a minor reported that that person had been assaulted by a by a guard. Um, oh. By then, the city finally revoked the. the the license for the place to be open, but it still remain open because I decided to keep the place open. So when we hear that, you know, the, the Gation has done a very thorough investigation, we know ICE investigate themselves, and they never find any problems. And that's one of the biggest problems with ICE, is that they police themselves. And, and obviously, they will never find any problems. Um, and, and we cannot rely on them to, to police themselves. They will never hold like, be accountable uh, to anybody. And um, I think that that's those, like the, the clip you, you just aired and the example of Berks in, in Philadelphia are good examples of why we need to shut down these places, but we also need to abolish the entire um, agency of ICE. I got you. Kathy, your thoughts, and thanks for joining us again. Kathy, your thoughts on that? <laughs> My thoughts is that the, they know that they have a very vulnerable population and they know that the um, women and children that they choose to prey on will not say anything. Um, 
and that's something that's across the board um, a lot of times with with people who are victims of sexual assault. Women have a have a tendency to not come forward, to not speak up. And what compounds this with the people who are being held in these ICE detention centers is also the language barrier. Yes. Um, and also the, you know, they're hoping that they stay in this country. So they don't want to come out and say, hey, you know, these guards are sexually assaulting me because they're hoping that the courts say, yes, you can stay in this country. So they will do anything and everything that they can not to rock the boat. So in a way, you know, they're literally being preyed on. And the people who are doing the praying know that these people are not going to speak up. They're not going to come forward. So they're taking advantage of that situation. Um, and it's very, it's, it's very unfortunate. And the numbers that we're starting to see that are coming out with the children and, and, and the females who are being sexually assaulted is, it's, it's just mind-boggling, um, especially when you hear about these children, these young children who are put into these facilities that are supposed to be taking care of children, and the workers there are sexually assaulting them. And that's, that's what is so horrific to me. And how they get away, this is what I don't get. If, I, if that happens to any citizen out here. Right, total, going, total, but it's a totally different set of rules. And, the, and, and I call it all the time unequal justice in this country. Whether you're dealing, and we keep talking about this since the series Voices Behind the Wall started. We've talked about this type of rules and protocol that, that correctional officers uh, – Anybody with a badge that is in these detention centers, and not everybody, we know there's some good guards out there. Let me make that clear. Yeah. We know there's good people out there. But when you see this at such an alarming rate, women, children, harsh conditions. Um, on one of the videos I saw yesterday, the, the, the officer just slammed this, uh, this immigrant into the floor for nothing. He was simply standing against the wall trying to get patted down, and when he did it, he put his foot in front of him and slammed his head to the floor. This is, this is barbaric in its worst form to me. Right now, uh, I'm going to play a clip, and I'm going to get Maru, and I'm going to get Kathy, your perspective on this clip as well. Let's see what it has to say. What is the alternative? The alternative is what was done in the past, which was parents... Uh, the families were given an immigration hearing to come and report. If the government believes that that is insufficient, uh, is guarantees that the families will show up, there are other alternatives. There's electronic monitoring. There is, for example, requiring the family to report on a weekly basis, either in person or by phone. There's other things that this administration could have done short of putting mothers and children behind bars. We're also joined by Christina Parker. Um, she has a new report out called For Profit Family Detention, Meet the Private Prison Corporations Making Millions by Locking Up Refugee Families. Talk about who runs Carnes. Sure. The GEO Group is the private prison company that is contracted to run the Carnes County Family Detention Center, uh, and they have a long track record of abuse and neglect and misconduct in their facilities. It should be no surprise to anyone, actually, that sexual abuse and denial of medical treatment happened almost as soon as the facility was opened. 
Can you give more examples of what you have found? Sure. You know, um, one of the things that we see is that these, this misconduct is really persistent. For instance, in the Walnut Grove um, uh, Juvenile Center in Mississippi, guards frequently used beatings and violence and, and sexual assault against the boys who were held there. They also retaliated a lot against people when they complained. So the boys would complain about their treatment and they'd be put into solitary confinement. So if you look um, many miles away at a facility in Pecos, Texas called the Reeves Detention Center, the same thing happened. Um, a man who, had, who suffered from epilepsy complained of his lack of medical treatment and he was put into solitary confinement. He spent a month there before he died of complications of a seizure um, alone. It actually caused a riot in the prison. How are these facilities placed? How are they planned? Is there community input? Mm -hmm. um, there's no community input uh, when these facilities are planned, and they're placed in really remote areas. Um, Carnes is a little bit um, a little bit away from where we're sitting right now, but there's a new one planned in in Dilly, Texas, which is even more remote, further south. Can you talk about this facility? We're talking 2,400 beds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dilly, um, it's really shocking. It can't really be overstated how shocking and how big this detention center is going to be. One how big is Carnes? Carnes is holding 532 people. Um, it is rumored that they want to expand it to maybe double, but. Even even then, Dilly dwarfs it. You know, Dilly's going to be 2,400 beds, the largest single immigrant detention center in the country, dwarfing all the others. And this is where they're going to hold women and children. I think, you well, know, this is run by Gio. No, the the Dilly Center is um, rumored to be run by CCA, and CCA is the Corrections Corporation of America, the same company that ran the disgraced T. Don Hutto Family Detention Center, which is in Taylor, Texas, and. The thing, the thing that's so shocking there is that we're seeing the exact same things be repeated. In Hutto, we heard reports of uh, guards threatening children for being children, for playing, for being loud, um, with separation from their parents. That's the exact same thing we heard when we went to Carnes recently, and it's a, it's a persistent problem. Uh, another problem is women and children are losing weight. You know, imagine an infant losing weight because the food is so, so poor. That's exactly what we heard at Hutto was under CCA and it's exactly what we're hearing at Carnes under GEO. And what is the rationale for these private corporations to come in and run these prisons? Javier Maldonado. What is a, a profit? It's to make money. Uh, the government pays them on a per day basis, whether it's filled or not. And the longer they keep people there, the more money they make. Uh, where, why do they place them where they, where they do in Carnes? Or in Dilly, because there are no attorneys there, because no one can get to them, because it's just in remote places where nobody will see them, and we don't have to think about them. Um, Immigration and Customs Enforcement ICE uh, spokesperson Nina Pruneda uh, said in a statement that, quote, ICE remains committed to ensuring all individuals in our custody are held and treated in a safe, secure, and humane manner. Accusations of alleged unlawful conduct are investigated thoroughly, and if substantiated, appropriate action is taken, she said. While she wouldn't comment on the specific complaints about sexual misconduct at Corn City Family Detention Center, she uh, said that uh, there is a zero-tolerance policy against sexual assault in accordance with federal regulations. Christina Parker, your response? Uh, yeah, my response to that is they don't seem to learn their lesson. We've seen this over and over and over with GEO, with CCA, with family detention. You know, it's no surprise to any of us. I don't know why they would keep going back to these companies. You're organizing a protest Saturday? We are, yeah. We're going to be outside the Carnes County Family Detention Center at noon this Saturday. We invite people to come out with us and protest against this, um, this shameful practice, this inhumane practice of holding people there. And 
um, you know, we're not going to stop. Our, our hope is to stop the Dilly contract. As well. Is it set in stone? Do you think there is a possibility that the Dilly contract, the 2400 bed facility might be stopped? Um, you know, I don't. I don't like to believe that. I really think that we can stop it. I think you know, community outcry, community outcry, and litigation ended family detention at Hutto, and I think we're going to do it again. Many of the immigrants in detention avoid submitting complaints out of fear of retaliation. If they did, chances are that the complaint would go unanswered or uninvestigated said Liz Martinez, Director of Advocacy and Strategic Communications at Freedom for Immigrants. The organization previously filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the DHS for complaints of incidents relating to hate crimes in immigration detention centers between 2010 and 2017. The response of the FOIA request listed only 86 reported complaints, indicating that the agency does not properly track instances of hate-motivated abuse, Martina said, ICE did not respond to a request for comment about this story. And Mara, uh, I know, again, we've, we've talked about uh, those issues uh, in regards to uh, the work that you do. How disheartening is that from an, organ- from an, an entity in the federal government to show they're not even tracking? We, the, the number we talked about earlier was over 800 cases. How did then they return with 86? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I, I think this is a good example of what we're saying, that this agency was created with one simple mission, to destroy my community. And they have different ways to do so. Uh, one is precisely to avoid uh, being accountable, to even keep track of uh, complaints. Uh, let me give you an example. Back in uh, 2015, a guy in detention was beat up by four guards, geo guards. We met with the Department of Homeland Security, Civil Rights and Civil Liberties Office. They're supposed to be kind of this ombudsman within uh, Homeland Security to track the complaints with, uh, that are filed within ICE custody. And when we told them this happened, what do we do? They didn't know what to do. You know what they told us? Tell that guy to just call the police department. So <laughs> what, is, what kind of level of accountability is there when guards beat up somebody? Nobody's going to do anything. Homeland Security, not civil rights, civil liberties. And their answer is, well, tell the guy to file a report with the local police department. Um, the, right now, there's another example. I'm sorry? Tomorrow. Are you talking? Okay. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, so forgive me for this. I'm just, I'm really trying to wrap my hands on what you just said. They told an immigrant in a detention facility to call the police and file a report? Did I hear you correct? That's right. That's exactly what they told us. Um, And so every time now we hear of people being beat up, because it happens often, in February of this year, uh, Jesus Chavez, um, they joined another hunger strike. He was also beat by a geoguard. He gave him a black eye. Right now, there's a, a, a lawsuit filed by, filed by ACLU against ICE and Geo for this guy being beat up. When he called us, I told him, call the police department. Um, now, another example I can give you of precisely this lack of accountability and the perfect system for them is that um, uh, 70 people went on, on hunger strike on Thursday. 
and they decided not to let the cards with the food trays come in into their unit. The warden sent everybody uh, to, to 20 people were sent to, to segregation. The rest were transferred to a different unit. Today, they were told, they've been in segregation since Thursday. Today, they were told that they have two charges against them, and tomorrow there will be a hearing against these, these people in segregation. When one of them told, told the warden, I want to call my lawyer, I want my lawyer in that hearing, he said, oh, no, Mr. you don't need your lawyer here. This is only administrative charges. But still, he is making the decision to keep these people for at least 30 days in segregation. And there's no accountability whatsoever. These guys don't even have the right to bring their own lawyers, if they do have them, to this supposedly, you know, administrative hearing. So right. it's just it's ridiculous to think that the lack of accountability, how they get away with absolutely everything. And it's so remarkable of people inside going on hunger strike and, you know, organizing to call our attention to tell us it needs to stop and we should listen to them. Oh, absolutely. They've acted uh, an act of retaliation uh, to punish these folks. And again, it's an administrative regulation hearing. I've been in those doing my wrongful conviction. They are complete jokes. Uh, You will be convicted if they bring you up on charges with an in-house hearing. That's a joke. Because everybody is on the side of the officers in that facility. They're not getting ready to say you're not guilty. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. Captain, your thoughts on this? Geo is, they're just, all these, the private prisons. Um, in New Jersey, what they're doing is they're actually contracting out to county facilities. You've got Hudson County, you've got Essex County. And they're putting them in those correctional facilities, and there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problem with the treatment that they're getting. Um, they, there's no place that they can go to to complain because not everybody is providing them with um, legal assistance. Um, in New York, you've got the Legal Aid Society, which is providing all individuals who are detained by immigration within New York a free attorney from their immigration practice. So um, they are able, like in that case, legal aid is, is able to stay on top of it. I know in New Jersey, outside the one private facility that I believe is run by GEO, that they have been protesting on an almost weekly basis on the treatment that the um, individuals on the ICE detainers are are getting. Um, the lack of, and it's not only the um, physical abuse that they're getting and the sexual abuse, but it's also the lack of proper medical care and things like that. Um, basically what these organizations are doing is they're getting paid per body. Um, and if they provide any services to them, that chips into their profit, and they don't want to do that. Um, 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 I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kathy. I just wanted to make No, go this. ahead. They're paid a certain amount of money per body, like these yes. folks are. Like these people are cattle. Yes, and, and, and that's going on. Um, what it is in New Jersey, because of the new um, bail reform, 
because mm-hmm. they're not, in, you know, detaining um, as many people who have mental health issues and they're not detaining as many people who have substance abuse issues. These counties have empty beds and they're not making any money off of that. So what they do is they contract with immigration to fill these beds. Sick. That's the sick And there, there was, there was a big thing that they've been protesting in Hudson County not so much in Essex, but very much so in Hudson County about it, um, saying that, you know, not to detain these people there. But then you've got people are coming out saying, well, if we don't, you know, the people who are detained in Hudson and Essex, it works out well for their family members to come visit them because they're closer, you know, to New York, Long Island, things like that, where their family members live so they can come visit them. If you don't put them in Hudson County or Essex County, the federal government will send them somewhere out in the Midwest or down to Texas or something like that so that they will not even be able to have family visit. So it's like this catch-22. It's like, do we keep them in these facilities where we knowingly are conscious of the fact that they're being mistreated and they're not getting proper services? just so that we can keep them close to their families? Or do we send them to facilities hundreds of miles away where they will have no family contact at all, but rather they will be under the direct supervision of immigration? So there's this big debate going on. And, you know, there's actually counties that are fighting to get these contracts to get the money in. And it's a lot of money. No, this is look, Mara. Mara, what, listen. I have more respect for you, Mara, for what you do, because this is a battle that has to be fought, and somebody's got to get in the trenches, and they have to fight. I respect you. I respect Kathy. This is the most disgusting thing I have ever heard. You just ship people around like they're product. Because in reality, yeah. that's how they are treated. You are, you, are, you are no more important than product on a truck going to a grocery store to be put on a shelf. That's, what I, mm-hmm. that's how I see it. That is sick. These are human beings here. These are people here. I mean, Lamont, just call it what it is, man. We have basically government-funded and privatized legal human trafficking. They're profiting off of human beings' mm-hmm. lives just to fill a bed. Call it how it is. I mean, that's that's what it is. Yeah. And, and really, they they have filled the void that a lot of the private prisons had for for years. You know, because we we've done stories before and we've done some research where we talked about these private prisons. They actually have these agreements that says, you know, um, you you're going to you're going to give us a body count. You're giving us this body count. We're going to build this prison off in the middle of nowhere. So that's going to justify putting that facility there. And if you think about it, it's still money. It's all money. They built a facility there in an in a area of the country, uh, you know, that is the cost of living is very low. They've got people there to, to run it. And then the government there, the state and local government saying, yeah, we'll give you an 80 percent, 90 percent bed count. Well, it's sick. Marlo, are you there? 
Sorry, Kathy. I just, one I just, yeah, yeah, I just want to, I want to just, there was a statement that came out tonight, a press release, which I shared with you guys. And it's from the Legal Aid Society, the guy who's the attorney in charge of the immigration law unit at the Legal Aid Society in New York. And it's, it's a very short thing. And I'll say, you know, he, they're releasing the following statement regarding tonight, regarding the announcement from Hudson County, New Jersey, on its plans to phase out their current detainee contract with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And they go on to say, although Hudson County Jail has been rife with problems for our clients detained by ICE, ending the contract with ICE rather than correcting the problems is wrongheaded. ICE will simply detain New York residents even further away, limiting contact with family members and making life-saving legal representation that much more difficult. We call upon Hudson County to reconsider and to consult with the direct legal services providers, including those of the New York Immigration Family Unit Project, who represent yeah. individuals detained at this facility. So you have to say, oh, my God, this statement, that can, and, and I forwarded it to you guys prior to, so you should have it because um, it just came out tonight, it's like, wait a minute, legal aid is saying, keep them in this jail. We know there's problems there, but correct the problems because they keep them closer to their family members. They're not going to correct anything. Marie, your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, I think that we have to remember something. Even legal aid is part of this um, machine. You know, every every lawyer out there gets money to represent people. They, no, they don't do it for free. Let's, let's be honest here. The nonprofit, we saw it with these um, companies running now children detention centers. They're nonprofit, and they're making tons of money. So when the argument comes down to always keep them close to family, I'm sorry, but that's yes. Because what do we want then? At least four detention centers per state so people can go visit? Here in the detention center, we have people from Idaho coming and visiting. So, no, this is not about keeping people detained close to their families. People should be with their families, period. Nobody should be detained. That is an argument that people need to start paying attention to. That's why people go on hunger strike, because they should not yeah. be detained in the first place. And then the, the other part that I think is also critical to remember is ICE is about to get more funding in these fiscal years that is coming up. And they're hiding how they even ask for more money. Remember, ICE is the age, the federal agency that receives mm -hmm. more money combined than FBI, ATF, DEA, all combined. They don't get as much money. Be running around hunting down my community. And so what we are asking people to do, one, is to follow all the calls to actions that are happening uh, right now in other detention centers in Tacoma. We have different numbers in our, in our social media uh, for people to call, call ICE, call GEO. Tell them to stop retaliating against the hunger strikers. Also, uh, talk to your uh, Congress delegation and tell them to stand up to ICE and don't let them to get more uh, more money this fiscal year that is coming up. They should not get more money. They should actually cut their budget because ICE can can lose if two things happen. One, they become accountable to us, to us, and second, they start getting their uh, uh, funding cut. That's yep. the only way we're going to actually stop this nightmare uh, uh, of, of all my different communities, undocumented communities, documented communities. And remember, under this administration, everybody's fair game. Homeland Security and DOJ, Department of Justice, have joined into um, 
150,000 records of naturalized citizens with the hope to revoke naturalization of U.S. citizens, currently U.S. citizens. So this is not about undocumented people anymore. It's about immigrants altogether. Right, right. No, I agree with that. And, Maru, listen, uh, I, w- I want to give you an opportunity. I know you've been with us for a while tonight. You've, brought, you've shined a lot of light on the issues. I cannot tell you the respect uh, that we have for you here at AJC Radio and the Just Cause organization for your efforts. We will be part of this fight. Uh, anytime that uh, you need a platform to get the word out of, of developments, please stay in touch with us. Uh, in regards to the strike situation, if you would, uh, you have my information. Please let us know as we want to do updates on that, what's going on with that, uh, as we, again, as an advocacy organization, will be involved with the fight to help the voices behind the wall. Really quick, Mara, before I let you go uh, and get on with your evening, let me say a very special thank you to you for, for the time tonight that you've taken. Uh, how can folks get a hold of you to be involved with this fight that we might come together and make a difference. How, did, how can they reach you? How would you want to be contacted? Yes, thank you so much. Uh, we have a, a Facebook page, um, NWDC, which is done for Norway Detention Center, NWDC Resistance. Um, our Twitter handle is at NWDC Resistance, um, and we have a website, NWDCResistance.org, and we appreciate so much the space. We know this is a team effort. It takes all of us to to win the fight, so we're really appreciative, and we're looking forward to working together and fighting together. No, absolutely right, and definitely keep us informed. We will be in the fight right down there with you uh, as uh, AJC and Just Cause continues to be the voice for those behind the wall, and that does include our immigrant brothers and sisters as well. You have a good rest of your evening. We appreciate you so very much. Okay, and Kathy, are you still with us? I'm still here. All right, Kathy, I wanna, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come right back. I want to get your closing thoughts on this issue uh, as we get ready to uh, close down this, set, this uh, segment as we are approaching that shortly. We're going to come back and get some more. Uh, I want to get into some more conversation with you and play a couple of more clips here for our listeners to hear just how serious this problem is. This is a big problem, and I appreciate your insight on that. So on the other side of the break, we're going to bring you back if you have the time, uh, and we're going to continue this discussion. Will that be okay for you? That's fine with me. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen of America, AJC Radio continues our indefinite series, Voices from Behind the Wall, tonight focusing on our immigrant brothers and sisters who are in detention centers. And somebody used, you know, and this may sound harsh to a lot of people, uh, a concentration camp. That's what it is. You can call it a detention center and put greenery or flowers outside the front door while horror and horrific acts are taking place behind the wall. Uh, Our immigrant brothers and sisters are equally as important as human beings, and their lives matter. I can guarantee you that right now. Those children matter. Those parents matter. Every human being matters. We will continue to be the voice for the voiceless as we continue this series, Voices from Behind the Wall. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. 
Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work. And at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff, but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at one 855 529-4252. That's one 529 Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. There's a lot of mud when it rains here and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off from school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for me to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. I wanted to be in the military since I was, since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You gotta find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. Hey, 
goodbye to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougesol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. You can't find a fighter. Ladies and gentlemen of America, tonight the voice of the voiceless. Voices from behind the wall, immigrant brothers and sisters, suffering torture, assault, sexual assault, beatings, denial of food, medication, in a place that we call America. I can tell you right now, everyone has a voice. We said earlier on this program that... This is voices from behind the wall. That includes women. That includes children. That includes men of every race, color, creed, no matter where you come from. Voices from behind the wall. And those voices matter. Tonight, the abuse of immigrants. We will continue this discussion, part two, Tuesday evening. Please join us. Tell your friends we must be the voice for the suffering in this nation. We must be the voice for those who have been silenced with fear, acts of retaliation and intimidation behind the walls of America's prisons, jails, and detention centers. They're all the same. We must be that voice. And uh, we were honored to have tonight uh, on this program Maru Mora Villapando, the CEO and founder of Latino Advocacy, organizer with the NWDC Resistance uh, Movement there in uh, Washington State. Uh, we salute her efforts, her work, uh, and what she's doing. And as always, we are honored to have Kathy Morris, who is a voice and an advocate at its highest level. And and she brings a, a clear perspective uh, to these issues. And we are so grateful and honored to have her voice uh, speaking for the voices as well. Kathy, are you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much uh, for the time you've taken tonight to be with us. We appreciate that. Mm. And, uh, you know, you're welcome, Kathy, if you're not busy Tuesday evening to, to, to join us again. Uh, there's so much information to cover. There's so much. And, you know, it just came out today that the... Trump administration is trying to delay the release of the minor children that are being held in um, ICE custody. Okay. That, um, you know, there's a, a rule, a law that says that they have to be released within 21 days. 
and they are trying to extend that. Um, they're, they're, the thinking behind that is that their cases will go faster through the immigration courts if they're, they are kept in custody. Well, my understanding is that the uh, cases are in major backlog. Uh, they are severely backlogged. Um, and what they're having is when they, they are able to re- successfully reunite some of the children with their parents, um, it's evident on the behavior of the children that there is severe trauma. There is um, isolation. And they're also um, the, they're exhibiting symptoms of abandonment. And these children are having a very hard time, especially the infants, connecting with their parents. They don't even recognize their own mother and father. This is- it's 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 uh, unprecedented uh, what's happening. Uh, I can tell you, tell you this: this immigration problem, and this is in no way uh, to make light of that situation that you've just mentioned. This has been a problem in this country for quite a long time, and I'll tell you well, what. It, 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 go ahead. It's also not only it's not only the issue with the children. It's not only isolated to those who are being detained on immigration issues. Also um, an issue that is high with children whose parents are incarcerated. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, something, you know, you, you feel, well, you, you will never run out of material when you're talking about a crisis. This is a crisis. Mm-hmm. This is, this is something – we're talking about life and death here. We're talking about the long-term effect on children as we talked about some of the abuse. We're going to get into some of the abuse with the children, immigrant children, that what yes. they are suffering in these facilities. And some of the facilities, you have whole families there. And then they, when they get mm-hmm. in the facility, they separate the kids from the parents. They're, dad's yes. somewhere. Mom's – what are you thinking? And then when you talk about ICE and the accusations being made there uh, that we've saw tonight on some reports, we'll get more into that uh, on Tuesday. Um, how fear, how scared must these children be? How how scared must these parents be who who are trying to relate to you in their language? Help me. And they're not getting that. This is well. Imagine imagine bringing like a a, a toddler into a courtroom yeah. and not having legal representation. And that has happened. Toddler. The fact a, that a, you, a one-year-old, they had a one-year-old in court who had no attorney representing them. That's, that that is happened down. I, I believe it happened. It was Texas where it happened. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But we're going to address these, yeah. Kathy. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. I will be available and we'll be in touch before then, and we can we, talk about that. We will talk about that. Please try to enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. I for will. All. You do the same. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Yeah. We don't have. Yeah, time. today today was a big day um, in New York City. There was a uh, the city council the entire day devoted to addressing the issues of sexual assault on Rikers. Okay. It was and, uh, yeah. It was a big deal. Let me ask you a question real quick about Rikers. 
uh, I presume yeah. there's a, there's immigrants there as well, right? There are some. It's a very small number for the most part um, because there's the federal facilities. You've got Brooklyn and you've got Manhattan, so they can put them there or yeah. they contract out, and believe it or not, they are put in Hudson, and then they'll bring them over to the, the federal courthouse in Manhattan. Okay. Well, we're going to but talk they more. Really, yeah, they, they do not contract. Um, Rikers is not one of them that contracts to receive them. Well, I'll tell you what, it's become big business, and that's what our criminal justice system is, big business, and we're going to deal with all of these topics on Tuesday. Uh, Kathy, until Tuesday, you try to enjoy until yourself. Until Tuesday, yes. I will. And we'll Have a good touch. evening. You too. Take care of yourself okay. and your perspective. We appreciate it. Good night. Bye. Thank you. Okay. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this. you know, every night since Voices Behind the Wall started, here we are left speechless at times and shocked that this is going on and now you're talking about kids how do you bring a one-year-old into court the question i would have after that statement have you lost your mind a one-year-old can't even speak right but you're gonna bring a one-year-old in court without legal representation and you want to say to me and anybody else who dares to challenge this system, just take justice system out of the equation, this system of injustice. And you want to tell me we have the greatest system in the world? That left the station. I don't even know if it ever arrived. Because as long as you have human beings running a system who are subject to error and bias, you're going to have problems in any system you set up. And that's just the facts. Uh, we're going to address this further uh, on Tuesday evening. Uh, voices behind the wall, the voices of our immigrant sisters and brothers will continue uh, on Tuesday. We will continue to share these stories. Uh, again, we didn't get through probably uh, not even half of what we need to do. That's how big this problem is. Can, can't be done in one show. So we're going to be back here Tuesday evening. Uh, that also is September 11th. Is that correct? Um, we may add add some things to that show. Um, we'll, we'll 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 definitely follow up on that because that we will the, the statement says on 9/11 we'll never forget. Uh, we'll be in touch. We'll let you know programming information on that uh, as we proceed forward. Uh, Steps and closing words on this one. And I think we all, like, we've been hammering the point. As long as the almighty dollar shows has more precedence in human behavior than basic human civility, we're going to continue to see this, and we're going to continue to have a cause to push forward and be the voice for the voiceless. Thank you, Samson, for that. And all those, to all of our hosts here, to all of our listeners across the United States of America and around the world that tune into the show, we thank you for your support. And until next time, America, remember, we are the voice for the voiceless. The indefinite series Voices Behind from Behind the Wall continues, and we'll be uh, definitely looking forward to that. Until next time, America, take care of yourself and each other. Good night. <laughs>